Welcome to Sage Bay Belconnen. You're about to hear a message from Pastor Nikhat. Hey, thank you, James and Kylie. Really encouraged by all that's happening in our Connect group. Such a brilliant way to journey together, even though you can't necessarily be in the same room. You're on the same Zoom. See what I did there? Uh, And it's so good to be keeping close. You know, one of the things I've discovered about this season is that I'm getting really close to some people. And the strange thing about spending really large amounts of time with the same people is that you start to notice things about them. And it gets even scarier if they're related to you, say, you know, you're spending all this time at home with family and you start to see yourself in them. There's like these weird little reflections walking around our house uh, sometimes. And I start to see bits of myself coming out in my children. Some of the things I'm getting frustrated at them for, perhaps I go, oh, hang on, that's actually come through me. It's this funny deal where where children are really a reflection of the environment and the people uh, who raise them. And uh, even the DNA travels through even stronger, right? And uh, so there's all these factors that show us who we are. This is a thought we picked up uh, as we were celebrating Mother's Day uh, last Sunday together. And it's this idea uh, that we are actually children of God. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And it's one of the most profound things that God actually says about us is that we are His sons and His daughters. Romans 8 says it like this. It says, Since you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves, Instead, you've received God's own spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Now, this is really significant. It says that as we follow God's leading, as we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, we are his children. God has adopted us into his family. There's no more powerful statement about your identity than that you are adopted into God's family. What this means is that God did not just set you free and pay a price, but he brought you near. You didn't actually become a slave of God, but a child of God when you're born again. This is such a profound thought for us to get our heads around. It might be language that you're used to. It may not be, but you did not become a slave or, or, or just someone who appreciates God from a distance. But what he did for you in sending Jesus Christ is actually he brought you near. He didn't just kind of bring you out of deficit and back to zero. He brought you into full fellowship, into full relationship with him as one of his, his children adopted into the family. You know, Galatians chapter four goes on to say, hey, it gets even better. If you are a child of God, now you're no longer slaves. Again, kind of hold on to that thought. No longer slaves, but you're God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. And I want to pick up on this imagery today, this idea of slave versus son, and this idea of the inheritance that we have as children of God and how foundational and significant that is for our identity. I want to take us to a particular passage of Scripture, a story in the Bible about a young man who actually goes on an incredible journey. And along the way, he, he loses all sense of his identity. It becomes corrupted and broken beyond belief. But, spoiler alert, there is actually a good ending to this. And it's a story you might actually know well. It's fairly well known, but it's actually quite often misunderstood. So let's go to Luke chapter 15 together, and we're going to have a look from verse 11. 
Jesus continued, says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, give me my share of the estate. And so the father divided his property between them. Not long after that, the youngest son got together all that he had and he set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into the fields to feed his pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy. I am no longer worthy, he said, to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to see his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, but I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He kind of brought out the prepared speech that he had. But the father said to his servants, just ignored the son totally, said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. So they began to celebrate. You know, there is a, another son and there's more to this story. We don't have time to go all the way through it here today. But I want to unpack a little bit of this. And I really encourage you today to see yourself in this particular story. You know, as humans, we sadly have this tendency to actually treat relationships like a commodity, to see what we can get out of them, to make them work best for us. And really what this son was saying to his father was way more profound than you and I might think at first glance. What this son was saying to his father was more like this to the original hearers. A son saying, give me my inheritance now was actually like going to his father and saying, hey, I wish you were out of the picture or I'd rather if you were dead. I want everything that is coming to me and I want it now. That would have been so offensive to the original hearers. We just hear it and think, oh, well, he's just cashing in early. No, 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 no. That was just unthinkable to those who were listening to this story as Jesus told it. So this is this son saying, hey, I am gonna take everything that was yours, Father. I, wanna, I want you out of the picture. I wish you were dead. And what the son starts to go on a journey now, and he thought it was a journey into opulence and freedom. But actually the story turns on its head and it becomes a journey into poverty and ultimately into slavery. He goes on this incredible journey and he starts out as son and he ends up as slave. Hold that thought as we come back to it. The choices he made to establish himself apart from his family and aside from where his identity issued from ended up bankrupting this guy in every sense. And ultimately the story does end up with him being restored but only by the one who had the power to do this. He couldn't restore his identity. Only the one who gave it to him could do that. He did what most of us do, what most of humanity does. And this is pretty challenging. He actually wanted the gift without the giver. What this young man decided was that he wanted the kingdom 
without the king. Now that's actually a description of so much that's going on in culture these days. Without realising it's so much that we consider progress, so much that we consider, you know, modern progressive thinking actually flows out of the revolutionary thinking that Jesus brought to the scene. Equality, right? The bringing of people together, the breaking down of barriers and divisions, all of that was initiated in the revolution that Jesus started over 2,000 years ago. And we've got to understand that, you know, all these things didn't just originate with us. And so these days, what we want is all the benefits of the kingdom, but without the authority of the king. And that's essentially what this son was saying. I'm going to take the spoils of that, but I'm going to do it my way. And so he starts to go on this journey. I want to talk you through what he actually does as he goes on this journey. And we'll see ourselves in this story. We're going to see the traps that he fell into and that we can all fall into so often. First thing is this guy put himself at the center. It says that he gathered all that he had. He grabbed all of his resources. He got all of that inheritance from the father and he suddenly put himself at the center where he was part of a family. Now he's isolated and significant only unto himself. And in his head, this independence mindset was gonna get him ahead and we know where the story goes and it does the opposite. The funny thing is, as he, as he does this, it says he goes away, he journeys to a faraway land. He suddenly puts distance between his father and himself. It's this sort of distance that we so often put between ourselves and, and God as we're chasing down our own ends. He seeks to remove himself and go to an entirely different place. He creates this distance and separates himself with this independent mindset and says Fascinatingly, then he gets to the end of himself. He runs out of all his money, all the resources. Ultimately, it says he's squandered all of that. And this is where I find one of the most fascinating parts of this whole story. This young man has used up everything of himself. What's left? I guess you'd think what's left is the culture, the society, the surroundings. And what happens at that very time? There is a famine in the land. So we have this situation that is actually not unfamiliar to many of us. That when we've come to the end of ourselves, as we've separated ourselves out from where God actually designed us to be, as we look around us, we find that, hey, all the stuff that, that, that looked glittery and gold, as the, as the song goes, it's not there anymore. It's evaporated into thin air. It had no substance in the first place. And so this environment we've set ourselves up into as the, the kind of the, the, the new kings or queens of this environment, all of a sudden, as we come to the end of ourselves, it's got nothing to offer us. It gets even worse for this young man, though. It's all evaporated around him. And it says he then attached himself. He doesn't just say he went to work for this guy. He hired himself out. He basically put himself at the mercy like a slave of this guy and said, hey, I'm gonna work for you. He attached himself to a, a foreigner uh, and there's nothing in this for him at all. All of a sudden he's attached to the foreign people and ideas that are corrupting even further who he was. He, he is joined to this, this person and becomes a slave. And, and if you kind of put yourself in the mindset of the original hearers again, he's now doing work that no Jewish son would have done. He's attending to the pigs, which in, in the original hearers mindset made him incredibly unclean. He is absolutely at rock bottom here. And aren't we so often guilty of this? We attach ourselves to ideas and mindsets that are foreign to the people of God. They are foreign to the DNA of a son or a daughter of the king. And we become actually enslaved to these ideas, these concepts, even if we don't realize it. 
We've started to buy into things. We've started to attach our identity and worth to things that just demand more and more of us, but they ultimately are meaningless. They ultimately evaporate when we really need them and they don't fill that hole on the inside. They don't give us the security and the confidence that we are believing for. And you know, slavery is this way of living where all of your efforts have no benefit to you. All of your efforts, your, your ability to, to produce anything at all just goes to the benefit and the blessing of another. And you rely on that same person for, for literally just the ability to stay alive. So you're suddenly trapped in what you would call a closed system. That's what economists would call it, a closed system that has limited resources. And you never get, you're in this like cycle where you're never gonna get ahead. It has no benefit for you no matter how hard you work. It doesn't change your situation. When God designed us to live in an open system where he is our source and our supply. So this young man finds himself enslaved to not only to, uh, to this other individual. What happens is he's not just acting like a slave, he's now got the mindset of a slave. You see the first uh, thoughts in his plan to be reconciled to his father is to go to his father and actually say, hey, dad, can I be one of your slaves? I've become, I've lowered myself to this point, but instead of being a slave to a foreigner, at least I could be a slave to you. His, this very mindset has got into him, but Jesus actually came to do the opposite. John 15, as Jesus is talking to his disciples, he says, I no longer call you my servants, that as you have learned to obey me, you are now my friends. And Romans uh, chapter five, verse 11 says, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. We're taken out of slavery and into friendship and even further into sonship because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. But so often we get stuck with a slave mindset. It says, I have to try and earn it, or I have to live at a, a level that is lower, that is beneath what God really wants for us. And we get ourselves in this mindset where we're trying to earn it, but the very definition of grace is that it cannot be earned. It is not something that you can earn. It is something that is given and gifted to you. What I wanna do now is change the paradigm completely. Let's go on a totally different perspective. We've had the son's perspective. Now the story flips and we begin to see it from the father's perspective. And I love this bit. It's a total change in what is going on here, right? So the father's perspective, if we uh, pick that up uh, partway through the story, let me just kind of read how, how this starts off as it changes. It says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him, ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Then it goes on to say, he actually said, we're gonna celebrate. And he says to his servants, go and bring the, the robe to put on him, bring the ring to put on his finger and the sandals for his feet. Let's have a quick look about what that uh, means as the father starts to show us his perspective. When he was a great way off, it said, his father ran out to see him. It means his father was on the lookout and he came running. The fact that he came running is incredible. The fact that he was on the lookout is incredible. But the patriarch, the significant one in the picture, the head of the household would never have put him, he wouldn't run. That was undignified. But he has been hanging out and looking for his son and he runs out to meet him. It says with compassion in his heart, not judgment, not frustration, not with his speech preferred. He runs out and embraces his son. He is, what he's done is he has run through the village 
He's run past his business associates, his friends, those who look up to him, maybe some who look down on him, and he has disgraced himself before them as he runs. That's, that's not how he was supposed to behave. He has now thrown his arms around a young man, probably still covered in the filth and the slime of that pigsty, and now he has made himself unclean as he has placed a kiss on his son's forehead, as he has embraced him fully. Now he's gonna walk this son back through that same village through to where they live in the full sight of everybody else. So what does he do? He says to his servants, go and get a cloak, put it on him. Let's cover his filth. Let's cover him up. Let's make him look like one of us again. Let's put these proper robes back on this son of mine. It's just like when the Bible tells us that we are clothed in Jesus' righteousness, not our own good deeds. Just like this young man, we are suddenly clothed with all that is good and right and holy about Jesus Christ as we come into the Father's presence. And the Father says, get a ring and put it on his finger. You know what that was? It was a symbol of authority. That ring meant he could go throughout the the village and the surrounding towns and actually uh, make transactions on behalf of his family and the estate. That was a symbol of of authority and his rightful place, his restoration within that family. And it says, then go get some sandals and put them on his feet. It was a mark of a slave that they went around barefoot, whereas the members of the family of the household, they would wear sandals on their feet. His father was moved with compassion and restores his son. He is now covered by that robe that is his righteousness. He is now restored and given that authority and he is elevated out of the status of slave, back to the position of son. You know, the older son comes into this picture here and there's some frustrations on his behalf. And in the original parable that Jesus was telling, there's a big deal here for this older son because he's just as far away from where God wanted him and from where the father wanted him as the younger son. But we we won't go into his story today. Today was just all about looking at the journey of this son. You see, what happened was he went from son to slave But then the father on the lookout, imparting value through his actions, covering him, restores him from slave back to son. He brings him back to his core identity. And this is a parable Jesus is telling, partly to show our place before our father in heaven. Partly to show that that we are restored through what Jesus has done for us to this incredible position as sons and daughters of the Most High God. That is the most profound and foundational sense of where our identity lies. You know, we often call the young man in this story the prodigal son. But the story is actually all about a prodigal father. You see, prodigal doesn't mean runaway. Prodigal means extravagant to the point of wastefulness. The son was prodigal in that he wasted everything that he had. The father was prodigal because his love poured out was so extravagant, it made no sense to all those who heard it. To the religious leaders, to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the scribes, those those who saw themselves as having done all the right things, this either made no sense or infuriated them. What Jesus was saying here is it's actually not about what you can do. Your position, your identity is not about what you do. It's about what is declared about you. It's not about who you make yourself. It's not about what, how much you can gather, how much you can earn it. It's actually all about 
what has been said about you. It's about the price that was paid for you. This father paid a great price. He shed his dignity. He humbled himself to embrace and to seek the one who was lost. This parable comes amongst others about a lost coin and a lost sheep. In every case, it's about how much value was placed on that which was lost and the great effort that somebody went to to retrieve, to save. Jesus himself said, the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. He came to bring us out of slavery and into sonship. You know, you and I are all experts at this journey. We've all done exactly the same thing in our own different ways. Every single one of us, the Bible says, we've fallen short of God's standards. We've missed the mark. We've gone on that journey, or at least parts of that journey that this son went on. When he took what he thought was rightfully his, but was actually a gift from someone else, when he distanced himself, put himself at the center, and actually decided to make it all about him. We've all done that. That's the way of living the Bible calls sin. Sin is not just the actions that we might take, the words we might say, it's the position we take. It's where we put ourselves at the center instead of God. And we're all guilty of that, the Bible says. We've all fallen short, we've all missed the mark. But just as this father went to extreme lengths in this story we've just heard from Luke chapter 15, so our heavenly father went to extreme lengths, paid the ultimate price for you and I that seals and sets our identity as sons and daughters of the Most High God. He has not just brought you back to equal or even, he has brought you near to himself. And if you're a follower of Jesus listening to this today, I want you to just reflect on that for a moment as we just get ready to pray together. And in, in, a, in a short moment, we're gonna worship together. I want you to just reflect on what that means, that God has brought you near. He calls you his son or his daughter. He's adopted you into his family. And that is where your identity is secure. Thanks for listening to our latest Sunday message. If you would like to find out more about our church, visit www.c3belconnen.org.au.